here's Stevie Ray. Gosh, I love Stevie Ray and, and Booker T. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, here comes Harlem Heat. Kind of jobbers at first, Josh. Kind of jobbers. But then it it excelled. And they would come out and they'd have their little dance that they do. They had sensational Sherry that was with them, always looking um, dolled up. They came down the ring when they had a rivalry with uh, Hulk Hogan. Let's just say, say Booker T got a little bit too carried away with his promo. But some of these, whoa, some of these guesses were really good. Um, <laughs> Kenny from the 405. I can tell everyone here at the ref has the same problem I do with the mic because it, it keeps falling off. Yeah. Uh, Ric Flair and Sting having the match while Flair is president. 24 years ago, today, The Rock threw Austin off a bridge. That's a good one. See, that's not 26 years ago. That's 24 years ago. When Sting came down from the Raptors on that zipline thing. No. Stephen B.A. with a great guess. It was Scott Hall walking down from the crowd into the ring. He said, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Great. Look at me. Look at how much I'm getting chills thinking about that. Hey, who, what are these guys doing here? What What are these guys doing here? Hey, I bought a ticket. I'm sitting here. I bought it. I'm eating my popcorn. You could probably, you could probably do a whole show just talking about what the greatest promos were, right? Are you ready for July 5th on the program? Have you already seen the the script for the July 5th? That's show? interesting. You mentioned that. I, I'm on vacation that week. Oh. <laughs> It's not that Josh hates wrestling. And I got to be out and, and yeah, no bumpy roads, but yeah. You know um, when you know when you have a couple of friends and you're all out to dinner or you're at a dinner party or you're hanging out watching a TV right. show, commercial break hits, and uh, all of a sudden two of your friends start talking about one of their other friends that you don't hang out with right. or a show that you don't watch. That That is this for me. Sorry. Yeah. I just don't know so what's going on. You feel how I do when anyone talks about Game of Thrones. I'm left or, out. Or uh, what's the meth cooking teacher show? Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. I, you know what? Let's never refer to it as Breaking Bad again. I love meth cooking teacher show. <laughs> I think they should actually, if they could retroactively rename it, would be terrific. Every single, every single cut I ever see from it is is the same. He's in a situation where they're threatening him, but he's the man now. So you don't threaten. The, the teacher. Meth, the meth cooking teacher. That and, he, and, and it reminds me of my seventh grade science teacher, Mr. Carter, which I wonder, huh, what's going Mr. on, Mr. Carter? Carter? What are you up to right now? Um, and, and, I, and I should add that sooner, Lisa, you win a ref prize pack, which, let's see, what do I have in studio? Which would include this ref pin. Um, I've got a full water bottle that I'm going to uh, take care of you. In fact, uh, unfortunately, this isn't even a ref pin. This is a Sports Talk 1400 pin. The, uh, the yeah, prize, where did all the ref pins go? The prize-winning shows get the cool prizes. So we've uh, – I'll get you something. That's awesome. I'm glad someone caught that. All right, you – um, <laughs> oh, look, there is a ref pin. Look, at OU photo guy, Mark Dasher coming through. These are good pins too, by the way. It's a black ref pin. You don't have these very often. Add it to my collection. A large collection of crimson um, ref pins, but not, oh, oh, not hey, the hey, black by the way, variety. Be, before we get to the football conversation, this is actually a really, really good question that we probably need to clarify right now. Um, because we're always in a land of confusion about how many years a, uh, a student athlete has left, right? Especially with COVID. Where are they? Um, what's the... What's the timeline look like? 
I think that in the Sooner game notes, um, Pat's done a really good job of laying out, okay, here's super seniors, here's seniors, juniors, sophomores, blah, blah. So that way you know, here's the players with one year of eligibility left off the, off the top of my head. Let's see. It would be Haley Lee, Alex Tarocco, uh, Grace and Grace, Grace Green and Grace Line. So those are the four that are in their final year. Everyone else has more time. But as uh, this question is asked from the 580, will Jada Coleman, T.R.A. Jennings, and other current juniors have two more years after this year? Shouldn't they have a COVID year they can use for extra eligibility? No! No. Um, they came in in 2021. The COVID exception, as far as my understanding, was 20. If you were a freshman in 2020, so yeah, if you came in afterwards, you wouldn't. You yeah, wouldn't you have. don't. It, it's not like it carries over. Just because you know, President Biden just now signed into law that all the emergency and and concerns around COVID have now been shut down. That doesn't carry over to eligibility. <laughs> well, they just now shut it down. They're still wearing masks in L.A. I think they should get another year. Very good question, but a good clarification, right? When you're thinking about rosters and you're thinking about, hey, how many years does this player have in basketball or in football or in softball or in baseball, there is your good kind of gauge. If you are a freshman in 2021, true freshman, no extra year of eligibility. I I can't wait to see what pro softball might look like at that point. I mean, I really hope that – Either the the WPF and I'm, I feel very confident about what the, the Spark are doing, and I mean I'm so I'm jumping in on their on their draft coverage, right? That's how confident I am about what I think the WPF is going to be, and not just because they paid a boatload of money, dude. But we're going to be there on you know Monday covering the draft. I awesome. Think, I think it's going to be big time. I think the the softball and the athletes unlimited will continue to grow with its ESPN deal. So my point is that I I just. There might be a time where four years is, is, is good because there is a life to be made in professional softball. But, yeah, no, a long answer to a short, good question. If you were a freshman in 2021, and that was Jada's freshman season, 21, 22, 23, now as a junior, you, you do not have a COVID year. And I know, but wait, you're enrolled in 2020, you started school in 2020, but it didn't affect their season. Right. So even though they were enrolled in the fall of 2020, my understanding is that they won't have that extra year of eligibility. If you just ran down this, I apologize. I was looking at a couple no, of the facts. Who on this roster would still have an exception? Um, okay. I was trying to pull up the game notes so I didn't botch it here. But my – well, obviously the, the four seniors right now, right? So you're obviously looking at the super seniors in Grace Green, Grace Lions – Haley Lee and Alex Strockle. They're only able to play this year because of that exception. As far as the gotcha. rest, you would have, you know, Riley Boone, who should be a senior. Uh, Kinsey Hansen, who should be a senior. So each of these two can come back. Nicole May would have an extra. No, no, no. Nicole May's gone. I'm sorry. Sorry. Nicole May came in at 21. So those two would be the ones that have an extra year. And um, Brito. Brito would have that next year. Torres has an extra year. Um, and I think that's it. 
I think that's it, Gazuntai, <laughs> of the players on the roster. Are they okay out there? That was it's a dad sneeze, man. That that had to be OU photo guy. There's no yeah. way that was Tyler. <laughs> I think I did that. What way. happens? Do, when do you cross that threshold to obnoxious sneezer? I I've always been that. So that's part of the problem with me. It's like, when did that happen? Oh, dude, I've always done that. Yeah, so basically your entire junior class in Brito Coleman, Jennings, and May, they're out in 20 – did I say that right? They're out in 24. That's their final season in an OU uniform. Next year will be their final season. Boone, Hanson, and Torres get an extra season, so they're not done this year. Green, Haley, Lee, Grace Lyons, and Alex Straco all are on this roster because of that extra COVID year. Is that, that clarified more? So, in other words, when you're thinking about the first year in the SEC, you're looking at the players that are listed as sophomores, redshirt freshmen, and freshmen. You're looking at um, Jordy Ball, Hannah Core, Sophia Nugent, Sid Sanders, Q Lilio, Jocelyn Erickson, Kirsten Deal, Avery Hodge, and S.J. And, I, and I'm much like you, Brazilian Sooner. I'm not really worried about 2025 either. I mean, th- there were people that were worried about 2016. 2016, I, I've written about it a lot. We've talked about it a lot. And I'll, I'll never forget Leah Wodak's mom, whenever they got halfway through the season, came to me and was like, no one thought we were going to be any good. And if, at that time, I was like, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, people thought Oklahoma wouldn't be in this spot. Told us we weren't going to be any good after all these great players graduated. I was like, yeah, like they seem pretty good to me. So you never know. I, I'm a firm believer in whatever Coach Gasso does. All right, uh, do you, choice for you. Do you want to start on the Jonah Laula conversation, or do you want to get a cleanse of the palate? Cleanse of the palate and start fresh when we come back. Yes. Okay. Um. One more good one. Plank, or should I say Mr. WPF? Let's not get too carried away here. I like that. Who can be drafted this year in softball? Is it Rocco and others? Yeah, all the super seniors are available for draft. In fact, the Oklahoma City Spark have the number one pick overall in the draft, and they haven't made it clear what they're going to do yet. Haven't made it clear which direction they're going to go. There's On Monday? On Monday. You know, there's some interesting names. Where, where is it televised? I know I'm going to be there. We'll get it figured out between now and then. I think, we need a press release. I, I think it's on the WPF YouTube page. That's cool. And, and then yeah. D1 Softball is stepping up, and they're going to have everybody's favorite, Jen Schroeder, and I think Tara Henry are going to be doing like a post-draft breakdown. They, they really need to – the media blasts need to start now. Now. Yeah, and, and I think if you're listening out there, it's time to get aggressive. It's time to have all of your heavy hitters start promoting this thing for next Monday. I'm saying tweet it, retweet it, share it, share it, share it. Here's the list of OU players that I have that are draft eligible. If I'm not supposed to say this, somebody better text me now and tell me to stop. Okay, I have no texts. Uh, Haley Lee, <laughs> Grace Lyons. You need to leave a lot of time there. And Alex Storacco. We're in the pool of available players for the WPF draft on Monday. Uh, there's some interesting names on here, though, Josh Helmer. Montana Fouts is on this list. No, thanks. Uh, Megan Ferramo is on this list. No, thanks. No, thanks. Um, let's see. 
Fouts over uh, Faramo. Who would you go number one overall? You've got you've got everything you need. You basically are. Excuse me. You've got plenty of open spots, right? You need a little bit of everything. You probably need a pitcher. I mean, I kind of think I, I I know I'm very loyal to Oklahoma, and man, Alex Duraco seems like she'd be great. But I also I can't help but wonder if Alex Duraco is going to end up in the front office of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I would forfeit my pick and say we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and just take Jada right now and we'll wait. <laughs> we're gonna entice Jada Coleman to leave early. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. It's going to be fun on Monday. But, no, good question. Good question. All right, quick break. When we come back, let's talk Jonah Laula's move to defensive tackle as we take a look at spring football right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Um, we want to talk a little football here, spring ball. I, I want to get – the OU Daily's article has been – Something I've thought about a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of asking a, a lot of questions to better understand what is truly being done. I don't, I don't know if it's as, as easy as just saying, well, you know, we got to do this, 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 then, then Norman will be ready, or this has to happen for Norman to be ready. There is, I mean, there's a really cool article about some of the challenges. Boy, what the heck am I trying to say? Challenges. Some, some of the challenges that are facing Oklahoma as it prepares for the SEC, and not and not just Oklahoma, and not just challenges, but the opportunities that are there too. Really, really well done piece by Mason Young. Maybe I'll reach out to Mason, see if he wants to come on and talk about it. And I, I've said this a lot. We have reached a level to where I think this show is has grown enough that – I mean, councilmen, members of the the committee here in Norman, we're learning about the relationship between the University of Oklahoma and Norman and how that always hasn't been the smoothest thing. We're learning about how other cities have been able to monetize game day maybe a little better than Norman is and what can be done. But I, I'm here for it, man. It's It's a little nerdy, right? But I think it's also necessary not just for – the Norman community, but I think for Oklahoma fans in general, because you want to come into town when you come into town and you want to have a great game day experience, right? I think that's the goal. Did I just hear you having a very adult conversation? Was that involving housework and things of that nature? Yes, it was. Whoa, look at you. Meanwhile, I... <laughs> I know. it's it, We've come a long way from... Uh... When you and I started this thing, what eight years ago? <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was not very adult back then. Nah, I was proud of you, man. That's awesome. I'm, st- bro. I'm 47, and I'm not really adult. I know. What, what's adult right now? Okay. Um, the so, somebody uh, somebody tweeted yesterday the stark contrast in the amount that a city like Tuscaloosa makes on a game day versus Norman. Red Dirt Sports did that. Yeah, I, I knew it was somebody that uh, is good about this because kind of stuff. that's that's what really. That's what really caught my eye. That was the number that I immediately went to someone and said, why is that? What is it that Tuscaloosa is doing that Norman Norman doesn't appear to be doing? And Outside of SEC fans coming to town. Right. And his first or her first (laughs) response was. This individual's response was. 
This person's response <laughs> was basically, how are they defining Tuscaloosa? And I said, the city in Alabama? He's like, no, no, no. He goes, are they including, like, if you included OKC, OKC yeah. in the Norman area, or even if you included more in the Norman area. Then you, you wouldn't be as far behind. Right. So his his point, what her point was, their point was. This individual's point was. That maybe, maybe Tuscaloosa took a little broader view. He wasn't necessarily pushing back against the numbers, or, or she wasn't. <laughs> or this individual wasn't. Sorry, Toby. But the funny thing was, more than anything else, the um, the idea that yeah, there there's still you know a long way to go, and I I looked at it and thought this, and I was I I was talking with Maura Kenny. I'm like Maura, you've worked in a lot of big places, right? You've you've been a lot of small places too. Is this just as simple as saying that Oklahoma? When you see that number, right, Tuscaloosa versus Norman, I. I was trying to find Red Dirt Sports Twitter feed, and, and I couldn't find it quick enough for the yeah, stories. Probably some interesting things to sift through over there. I, too. I, I was trying to go through the Twitter timeline. I'm like, I ain't getting there. Bonk. But it was, it was at the very least, what, like $19 million more on game day that Tuscaloosa was bringing in than Norman was. It, it was a significant number. And I, I just thought, Josh, before we get to the Shona Lula sound, which I promise we're getting to, I just thought that maybe it was a situation where there's not a lot of people that come and stay overnight for an OU game. And, and maybe that's a wrong assessment by me, but I just – I get that feel. I also feel like there's not as much RV traffic at Oklahoma as there could be, should be, will be, might be, as there are places like Alabama and Baton Rouge and, and cities like that on game day. So I think that – but I, I feel like for most of us, a game day at Oklahoma is, all right, kids, let's go. We're going to the stadium, get in the car. If you're driving from Dallas, you're driving, you know, two hours. If you're driving from Tulsa, an hour and a half. If you're driving from Oklahoma City, 45 minutes. You're, I just, I don't, I think Norman is hurt in, in, in some whacked out way in my mind because maybe Tuscaloosa has more people that have to come in because it's not necessarily near a, a metro area. I mean, we've got three, four, five places where I hear from Sooner fans often that can just drive on game day. Fort Worth, Dallas, Tulsa, Oklahoma City. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of city even. A lot of metro options around Norman. And even all of this infrastructure that needs to get built in Norman, right? The the sure. crux of this, these these uh these hotels that uh, or these these motels and all these different things, entertainment options that need to get built. You could build all of those plank and there might still be a faction of folks that say, you know what, I want to stay in the city because Oklahoma City is so close. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so I, I want to drill deep on that. I, I love this story. I love learning about it. And we've, we've kind of started to dip our toe into it with the, the new arena conversation, with the, um, oh, what, uh, the, the renovation conversation, the LNC, these types of things, and kind of learning that there hasn't always been the best relationship between the university and the city of Norman, and that's something that you know might even predate Joe, and it might be something that has just been a, a feeling amongst some within the university that I think is shifted and, and shaped in a much different way. We all need each other. Boy, that sounded corny. Let's move on quickly. Well, it's no, it is. It's we a all symbiotic relationship. Can we just get along? That's why I've never understood. Look, I definitely, I definitely get if you're not a sports fan. But if you're somebody in the city of Norman that 
doesn't like the University of Oklahoma or, oh, I, I don't like this or that about it. Do you understand? I mean, if you're a business owner, this is a symbiotic relationship. You exist in large part because of that University of Oklahoma. Mm. And you, exactly. have to work, you have to work in tandem with one another. You have to coexist in, in a positive way. You got to work together. You know, and, and True just said it. He said, I don't, I don't think Norman understands what's getting ready to happen with SEC schools and their following. Um, Sooner Soldier. I read I, that article. I think they're beginning to I think understand, though. I think they're starting to see it. Sooner, sooner soldier. I read the article. It mentioned SEC fans use RVs and that Norman lacked RV space and also lacked tailgating space. Yeah, which leads to a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I mean, do I even pull back the tab on that? You know what's you know what's going the way of of the news, dinosaurs? Of newspapers and landlines, don't you? Parking at, at, at sporting events. I mean, it's try to find a parking spot at the new Chase Center in San Francisco where the Warriors play. I'll wait. It's just it's it'll be interesting to see how that factors into football. And I just don't know that that's realistic here, though. The like big cities. okay. even uh, even to some degree, maybe downtown Oklahoma City. But even there, it's people drive cars here. There is the the city transportation. I I know. I don't know that you're going to have that model, at least successfully, in Norman, Oklahoma, or in Oklahoma City. People drive here. All right, it is the bottom of the hour. Boy, this this has been a 30 minutes uh, basically set for one thing, and you all have sent us down several different paths, and it's been really fun. Well, at the very least, let's hear from Jonah Laula, who is making a big move to the interior. <laughs> Get it big? Big move uh, to the interior of the defensive line. A really good stuff post-practice. I only break it up because you can't really hear the questions. And thanks, as always, to the crew over at Soonerscoop.com for putting this on the tube of use. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Gary. Who am I? Li- George. Thanks, Bob. I don't really know if Josh. McQuistian. I don't know if Josh McQuistian did anything for it, but I'm grateful for <laughs> well, him too. Th- thank Ma- you, Josh. Many many time guests on the show. We love Josh. Here is what. Yeah, he's been a good. He's been a good friend of the show. Jonah Lula had to say about the transition from D end to D tackle, and where that's been so far for him. Heard I'm now interior with uh, Coach Bates, and uh, it's been a good transition. Uh, when we came back from uh, winter break, Christmas break in January, I had to. Came in at like 262, 263, and so ever since then I've been put on a weight gain plan with Schmitty, and I mean he's been a great help with me getting, you know, gaining weight and making sure it's the right weight, because you know it's one thing to gain a lot of weight, but you know it's got to be good weight, not just straight eating whatever, and you know getting too heavy to where too top heavy to where I can't move as much as I should be able to, and so you know since January, thanks to like Schmitty and the. Uh, nutrition staff I, I've been able to get like 15 16 pounds so hopefully trying to keep gaining uh, this off season and you know by the season by the season time hopefully being 290 290 plus you know what I've got good news for you Jonah as you get older weight just magically comes on man I don't know how to explain it but you'll be fine but getting up to 290 I'll be curious to see how that fits on his frame right I I haven't been out yet I haven't seen him but that's a pretty significant ad. All right, let's go more in-depth when we come back. What does it mean 
as far as the depth. Here was a guy that was part of that five-man rotation at edge rusher. You know, does it does it signal more excitement about the depth they have at the edge? Does it signal more concern about what isn't there in the interior of the defensive line? Or is it just a matter of finding a guy that looks like there might be a better fit for him at defensive tackle than even at edge? We'll dive into it all next, talking Jonah Laula on the ref. All right, it is 1037 on the ref. We're talking about Jonah Laula and his position change. Um, I thought this was a good question from Kerry Murdoch. If he knew if he knew he was coming back based on the position change. In other words, hey, you're shifting positions, you're gonna do something different. Is this a major reason why you're back in Oklahoma, knowing that you could have turned pro or you could have transferred again if you wanted to. Uh, here's what Lula had to say about that. I assume that means that that was part of your decision to come back was, hey, or was it? Was that something that oh, was discussed? I, yeah. and- I always decided. I knew I was going to come back. I, I wanted to have a you know, really good season. And, uh, you know, I just didn't feel as if last season was, you know, the best I could have been. So, uh, And then, I mean, we kind of talked about it actually last season going into when we were in fall camp. Uh, Coach Chave and Coach Bates kind of talked to me up and said, you know, when we do, when I'm kind of inside or doing inside movements, they said I, I look a little bit more comfortable than on the edge. So, like, they're saying, you know, next year maybe, you know, you could try, we'll try putting you inside. And, you know, I, I agreed with them. I, you know, I, I could see what they're talking about. And so you know, I'm just trying to do whatever I can, you know, to help better this team. So if I have to move inside, that's no problem. So. And if it gets you more snaps. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. So when was the final decision made for Jonah? We, the first day we had came back from Christmas break, and then they were like, all right, Jonah, we making the move. And I was like, all right, coach. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was already ready for it. I was, me and Coach Bates would always, you know, joke around. Every time he'd see me going, like, the defensive ends room or anything, he'd joke around and say, he'd be like, you know, he's like, you looking good inside, you know, you know, so. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a big deal to me. I mean, whatever uh, I got to do to you know help make our team, our defense better, I'll do it. Um, is it fair to ask the question? Is this? This is. I don't have the stat totals up, but I would say he saw a significant number of snaps. I can try and find some of that for you yeah, if we, you would like. Oh wait, during the break. I mean, I don't. I don't want to lose you to looking up stats the whole segment. But it would be it'd be a lot cooler if they're right there in front of our faces. But it'd be cool if you did. No, I can no, find this quick for you. I don't. You know, it's it, it's funny because when there's a position change like this from a guy who played a lot at the previous position, you can read into it several different ways, right? Well, good. He's a good player. Trying to find a way to keep him on the field because the guys coming in are going to replace him. There's one. Number two, depth is so bad at tackle, you had to try something. Number two. Number three, um, wasn't good enough to make an impact at edge. I mean, again, you can just look at it any way you want. I tend to think. I, it's you probably p- a combination of all some of, of all of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know that uh, – and I would say probably, to me – the most likely, uh, the most likely thing is this gives him the best avenue to potentially earn reps because Oklahoma, given uh, given what they have with 
Ethan Downs and what they've went and got with Rondell Bothroyd and with Trace Ford and with Marcus Stripling and Grimes and folks that they've signed in this class, Plank, I think they probably feel pretty good all of a sudden where they're at at the edge rush positions. And they, they are Mason Thomas. I, for some reason, Gosh, I always forget, I always his forget name. him, and he's going to be a stud. But Oklahoma probably looks at it and says, you know what? We've got a good, healthy mix of uh, old and young there at the edge rush positions. We could use a little help inside, and one thing adds up to another, and boom, you get the, the swap inside. Mm. So let's see here. I don't. I, o, OU is not specifying on their roster DT or D end. It's just all defensive line. Yeah, it's all DL. All the offensive line is all OL. I have no problem with this, but I was just I was trying to quickly look at what that depth looks like off the top of my head. So you would have Jonah Laula who has moved inside. Um it it sounds to me like Kelvin Gilliam is a guy that they feel like can be someone who gets some snaps this year. Jacob Lacey, right? Marcus Hicks has moved back to defensive tackle. Jordan Kelly's back. Corey Roberson, obviously, we've all been pretty high on what we saw late from Isaiah Coe. And then you bring in Devon Sears. I mean, there's like eight guys that you're looking at battling for that and throw Lula in there. Why not? And I, I feel like there is – you already talked about some of the – well, he's going to talk about it here. Some of the times when the lines get together – but it just it, it seems like that there could be some versatility there, too. Hey, if something's not going right at edge, a few guys stepping up at tackle, even though he's thicker now, you can still, hey, let's line him up here in this set. You know, let's, let's be multiple. I'm not, I'm not saying suddenly they're going to move guys all over the place, but he still would have that ability to rush the passer if need be. Or if you're looking for more of a run stop situation. True. I mean, if, if you're trying to go heavier, heavier set. Uh, Jonah Laulu. 465 total snaps last season per pro football focus. And let's see. Ethan Downs had uh, 584 by comparison. Okay. All right. It's a lot of snaps. You know. Grimes 516. So Jonah Laulu would have been uh, third third. on edge rushers. Well, just across the board defensive line. Oh, wow. Okay. So maybe it is a guy. Yes, edge rushers too. As they saw the technique, they're like, we need to get you there. All right, so it's a coaching transition too because you go from Miguel Chavis to Todd Bates. What's that like? It's not that different. I mean, they're they're both really similar. And, I mean, it's super fun when we do joint meetings with the ends. And, like, the whole D-line is it's super fun having them together, like, you know, uh, going off of each other because, you know, it's, they, they, they be finishing each other's sentences sometimes. So it, it's, it's really funny and the energy is really great. And, you know, with Coach Bates, I've never, you know, ever felt like it was a mistake for me to go inside. I mean, he's welcomed me with open arms. He's coached me up, uh, which uh, I've been taking. I've been trying my best to, you know, take in the coaching because I really need it. Uh, I need to really work on, you know, my technique inside and, you know, my steps and everything. Pad level is really big uh, deal inside. And, you know, I've been I've been just you know taking in all the coaching, trying to be my the best version of myself. Love to hear that. He's being receptive. All right, um, two more, two more cuts here, real quick from Jonah. Um, let's start with this. Working with newcomers, having been a newcomer yourself last year. What's that been like, not just in a new room, but some of the new guys that are in said room? It's it's pretty fun. I mean, just the type of person I am, I uh, I kind of get along with everybody. 
So, you know, with the new guys, uh, I kind of, I, I wouldn't say annoy, but I, I annoy them. I, I, you know, I try to talk to them as much as I can because, you know, I know what it's like being new, coming into a program and not knowing anybody because that was literally me last year. So uh, I, I try to reach out to those guys and, you know, I try to invite them to come eat, you know, even though they want, they might not come sometimes, Jacob Lacey. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, but it, it's whatever. I, I just try to be, you know, a good teammate to them, a good per a friend to them. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Way to throw your teammate under the bus, man. Come on now. That's pretty, pretty funny. All right, one more. You know, this went back to a conversation we had on this program the other day, Josh. We were talking about, well, it was the day I missed. Last Wednesday, Tuesday, I think. Uh -huh. And you and Connor opened the show having to talk about Reasons for confidence. Yeah, why are, you, why are you optimistic? Why are you optimistic about Oklahoma football getting back? And you guys went specific on some positions. Quarterback, I was brought up quite a bit. I'm listening as a fan, and I'm thinking to myself, this unwavering belief that Brenton Venables is the guy to get it done. Why is that? Why is that, Jonah Lula? Brent. You just got to check his resume. And, I mean, he backs everything he says with his intent and his, you know, his leadership and how he coaches us every day. He's, he's consistent every day. There's never a day where he's, you know, out of it. I've, you've never, ever seen him, you know, come to practice or come to meetings a day. And you're like, oh, you know, Coach V seems weird. It's, it's never been like that. He's the same person every day expecting the same thing every day out of you, which is your best. So I think that's what draws people into him and, you know, to trust into him because, you know, that's the type of person he is. He's a crazy, hardworking person coach and you know I, I look up to him and I'll do whatever he told me to do it's good stuff it's good stuff Jonah need a kidney what you said whatever you do I tell you what man it's it's pretty exciting when you hear that kind of buy-in right now you just got to see it play out on the field it's my that's my big reason for optimism I really really truly believe that this is the right man for the job, and I really believe in the coaching staff he's surrounded himself with, and I really believe in the administrative staff that he's surrounded himself in. I really believe in Joe C., and I've said this a lot. Every single one of those person, people, folks, could come in tomorrow and be like, yeah, we're done with you, Plank. You're out. I'm like, great. Hey, good luck when you win a national title in a couple of years. I'm going to hate it that I'm not here. It's just that's, that's how much I believe in what's currently going on right now. In, in, in Norman for football. Now, you got to see it. <laughs> Belief is one thing. You got to do it. But I love that from I love that from Jonah Lula. Now, we're not sitting here telling you that instantly he's going to become a, a, you know, the, the perfect nose and he's going to be shutting guys down. He's got a lot of work, a lot of work to do. But it is, it's one of those position changes that, you look at the number of snaps he had last year and the impact that he had, and you kind of think, mm, "All right, let's let's see what he and Marcus Hicks can do." And Hicks, Hicks is six six three oh two. What did what did Lula say he's trying to get up to? Like two ninety is what his goal is. And he was already listed two seventy seven the the last time they dropped a roster update. Yeah, love it. So it's you know that's that's thirteen pounds, but that's not you know that's not a mile mm -mm. away. I keep hearing good things about Derek LeBlanc. Well, and I, I think that you could read into it a little bit, too, and say that 
Oklahoma clearly thinks that they've got some talented edge rush types. Agreed. All right, quick break. We'll hit your text on this next 405-651-3439. It's a plank show on the ref. Ethan Downs, hater. What a name. What a name. Um, Belly Ethan's awesome. He's a great dude. He writes, Jonah Lula being moved to the middle, and from what I've heard, being the most impressive one there, is frightening to hear, is it not? Tall, light, and just absolutely should not be the most dominant guy we have in the middle. No question about it. Not a good sign. Am I wrong? What did I say to you as soon as we hopped to that last break? Here's what Josh said as we were walking back. He said it's either an indication of how good things are on the edge or it's how bad things truly are in the interior. Correct. And, and that that's the question to be answered in time. Or the other option would just simply be the staff genuinely feels so confident about what they have in terms of their edge rushing types that they felt like, you know, Jonah Laulu is not going to have a pathway to those 460-some-odd snaps he got last season. So, hey, here's your here's your opportunity inside. But I think it's easy to make it about those other two questions, Plank. Is it that you feel so good at edge rush or you feel so needy at defensive tackle? That's the question. Time will tell. Jay from Medill writes, wouldn't it be nice to be on a weight gain plan? Good news, Jonah. I've been on one since high school. Um, As have many of us. <laughs> I kind of like Ethan Downs, hater. I don't like his name, but I'm cracking up as to his reasoning why. Uh, here, Here's one more on that front. Let's talk weight. How much does he weigh? Um, 277 last uh, update they shared. And he said in the cut his goal is to be up in the mid – mid 290s so i i don't think he's gonna quite get to 300 which is a magic number for so many people on the interior but a hated number by the previous coaching staff so i don't i I, i'm not too necessarily worried about you know where he could be a good look josh jalen redmond was 292 last year right yeah and and i mean that's somebody that Fluctuated around for you, right? True. I don't – I can't – I don't want to say can't comment. I just haven't seen anything. So, if, you're, if your peeps, if your sources are telling you he's looked the best, all right, I'll take your word for it. But I just – I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I, I have heard good things about Jacob Lacey, but I don't know – I haven't seen it with my own eyes. In my opinion, and I know this is crazy, I tend to want to see it before I spew ridiculousness about it. But I will add, I think it's going to be, I think for the diehards, the listeners of, of this station and show, I think for those of you who have multiple subscriptions to 24-7 and Rivals and on three and on cue and whatever, I think that's going to be something you'll be watching very closely come 
Saturday, April 22nd, just to see how that looks on the inside. And again, the best defensive tackle in the NFL is in 300 pounds. 6'1", 280, Mr. Aaron Donald. So you see what Josh is saying. He is saying that Jonah Laula is the next Aaron Donald. <laughs> that That is not what I said. Somebody texted in, look at Aaron Donald's uh, measurables, and there you go. There's Aaron Donald's measurables. So Josh is confirming Aaron Donald, Jonah Laula, clones, one and the same. Yep. Actually, I'm expecting Jonah to be better than Aaron Donald. All right, listen, we owe you the top five stories today, so let's get after it. The text line has been hopping. We'll continue to roll with it. It's a Wednesday edition of the Plank Show right here on the Home Center Fans.